Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We've got a great lineup for you today, as usual. Uh, and don't forget, later on, uh, at the 11 o'clock hour, we're going to be on Facebook Live. Yep. Uh, live readings on air, all of the above, as we delve into the modern age of digital media. Uh, love, love, love it. I never thought in a million years, Benny, that I would say I love, love, love that. At all? Uh, yeah. Remember when we used to talk about, oh, my God, thank goodness we're on radio. Oh, that's right. right. Oh, we don't have to show our faces. That? Right. Yeah. Too late. <laughs> yeah. Too bad. Like so now, sad. <laughs> like, I know. Like now the studios have like uh, two, at least two cameras in them, whether you know it or not. No, we have three. Uh, yeah, we were stepping yeah, it up. Three, we're stepping our, yeah, our in-studio yeah, game. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah, we only have three, two. But, uh, what you, but the point is this. Between us, we have five. Yeah, there you go. Oh, my gosh. Combined effort. Oh, come on. Come on. Not to mention the whole Zoom, Facebook, Skype, Live, all of that with the pictures and the graphics, because I love graphics. Um, And at the same time, it's all targeted to create a better world. That's what it is. 15 years now, that's what we've been doing. You know, talk radio to thrive by. It's like whether you're in uh, Indiana or Indonesia, you know, this is people that we reach all over the world. And so it is about creating a better world. And we do it by some of the most incredible people that are on the planet doing the same thing. You know, today, uh, I have a great guest joining me here today, Jane Weicker. She has written a book called Soul Selfish, The Key to Youthfulness at Any Age. Soul Selfish. What does that mean when you hear that, folks? When I say that, you know, when I say soul like you heard me talk about soul food and growing up with soul food. Yeah, what about this? What if you were so selfish? Why is that important? And by the way, why is it our birthright? You know, what is it about any scripture that you put your hand on? It doesn't matter what spiritual practice we're talking about. There's something in there about the promises that are clearly our birthright. But how is it we can live from our soul, our authentic self? What is it it provides us with? What are the beliefs that get us to that place of even understanding that it's our birthright? What is it about that? And then when we take a look at the awakening of a good girl, yep, the awakening of a good girl. Is that making most of you out there right now have a hot flash? I hope so. But today it's really cool that, you know, we have Jane joining us here today because it's a memoir. You know, what does it look like for those of us that are out there 
and we're doing this inner work, our inner journey, and we think we're doing a great job. And then all of a sudden we get really, really sick and we realize, oh boy, we haven't even scratched the surface of that. But how, how has Jane working in over a dozen different psychological mind, body, spirit disciplines, how has she had the courage, the faith to really kick it up a huge notch and crust bust and come to life as she's saying to everybody out there, yep, not only do you need to walk the talk, you need to be the talk. Jane, great to have you. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Pat. So happy to be here. Yeah. You know, look, um, I think that for a lot of folks, they uh, drink in the Kool-Aid, they bought the T-shirt, they burned the T-shirt, they've looked at their lives, and still it is just, I'm still here. I mean, it's like playing Monopoly, and, you know, when you're the kid that always gets to go to jail and not pass go, you're wondering what the heck is going on. How have you discovered in this book that there is something that we are not getting, but we could get? Well, I didn't discover it in the book. I wrote the book because I discovered it (laughs) through many, many years, 46 years um, of inner life journey. And um, I, as many of these kids are talking about, grew up in a household that had a lot of problems, and uh, it wasn't the easiest place to grow up in. And uh, going through life as a good girl, because it Mm. was the only way that I could feel safe in a very unsafe environment, I learned how to give and how to be no problem to anyone uh, and focused on other people so that I could feel safe. And it was only when I turned of 34 years old um, Mm -hmm. and began to look inside myself that I learned that life is an inside-out process. From the very beginning of my first experience in my inner life, I knew immediately that I had to go inside to really find some peace and, and who I was rather than attending to other people or being good to other people or no problem to other people. So I wrote this book because it was so important for me to uh, give my voice to demonstrate the immense value of living life from inside out. Yeah. You know, what I love about this is that here we are today and we have... Uh, in the world we live in, the energy that surrounds people, and I'll talk about this country for a moment, to find their true north, to find a sense of something inside of them that can keep them young at heart, that can keep them youthful, the search for that, you know, whether it's the search for what you think the holy grail of, of inner work is, or the search of a lost soul or a lost lives. Searching and seeking are seem to be the energy of the time we live in. What is it that you discovered about yourself that you might have been in search and in seeking of? Well, I think that we're all searching for happiness. Mm. And that I think that's the holy grail that we're all searching for. And um, living life uh, as, as you see in the subtitle of my book, 
the awakening mm-hmm. of a good girl. Uh, and the good girl is in quotes because good girl is a role that I took on. And there are many roles that children take on. Uh, they could be bad boy, as my brother was. Uh, they could be artsy. They could be brain. They could be jock. Uh, but all of those roles that we take on are taken on because we think that that's the way we're going to be loved. That's the way we're going to get attention. And uh, so we take on these roles unknowingly, and we continue these roles until we discover that they are roles, not our authentic selves. Mm-hmm. And that usually okay. happens after much unhappiness because that role can never be f- totally fulfilling because it is not who we are authentically are. It's a role that we've taken on, a posture that we've taken on in life to get what we want, but when we, it isn't working, then that's the time that many begin to do their seeking and searching. Mm. You know, I, I want to ask you, have you had a moment? I get asked this question a lot. I get asked, Pat, you know, have you had a moment where that light bulb went on for you? And, and they asked me that question because clearly I didn't train to do this. I dialed a wrong phone number. That's why you and I are even talking. 15 mm-hmm. years ago, I dialed a wrong phone number and I didn't hang up and I bought my first hour of airtime. And so the question I get asked is, what was your light bulb moment? You know, uh, did you have one moment where everything became clearer or did you have a series of those moments for the awakening of the good girl? Well, my moment was, uh, as I say, I was 34 years old. I was married to a very successful Wall Street man with four children. Uh, he went into a depression and started group therapy and became more and more depressed. And because I was so concerned about him being the good girl that I was, I went to see uh, what this group process was that he was doing. So I went to my own group, and on that very first night, there were, I think, six other women in the group. And one woman started talking about her father. And it was a very sad story, and she was crying, and uh, I found myself crying. And uh, she kept crying, and when she was done, the whole group surrounded her and with such attention and love and understanding. And the group leader then said to me, so Jane, why are you crying? And I said, well, I feel so sad for that woman. Her story was so sad. It touched me. And she said, well, tell me about your dad. And I began to tell her about my dad and his verbal sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And I just went into this very deep place of pain that I had never felt in my life. Mm. And I, I was there in that moment for, for many, many moments. And when it was finally eased, I noticed that I had the same feeling of lightness that I saw in the woman before me after she had released her deep pain. And I knew that moment, that wherever this path took me to go inside, that I needed to do that. Because it was so clear that that release lifted me, lightened me, and it also brought me a feeling of love that I had never experienced in my life from these total strangers. Mm-hmm. 
You know, I, I, I think that when I reflect back and, and just like you, you and I have very similar backgrounds. Um, I got deemed by not being a good girl anymore when I was put into Catholic boarding school at age six and told mother, told sister Michael Anthony that Jesus just talked to me and told me my mother was with them. And they come to find out that my mother just committed suicide. I got thrown out of school. So then all of a sudden, I'm certainly not the good Catholic girl anymore. Just want to say that up front. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there are so many different times where I didn't realize the subconscious nature of this. And what I mean by that is there's almost in our society, you know, a subconscious or rather subliminal message that we get to make sure we are the good girl or the good guy. And I wonder, you know, what your experience was of that. And what I mean by asking you that question, it's like I I was reading different parts of your book and I was reading how, you know, you've taken this journey, including the part that I love is the sexuality late bloomer part. But Mm -hmm. all along the way, is this or has this been the reclaiming of yourself, your authentic self? Absolutely. The reclaiming of your authentic self on every level, emotionally, mm-hmm. sexually, intellectually, socially, on every level. But that requires a release. It requires release of that which is in the way because I believe that our, we have this soul. We're born with this soul. And this soul is our spiritual DNA, our seed plan. And it contains our personalities and our talents. Um, and we, we can't contact that as readily, depending upon the la- layers and layers and layers of built-up emotion that we have stored. So it's almost like when we begin to release these layers, when I look outside right now, and I'm in Connecticut, uh, the skies are gray, and there's no sense of a blue sky or no sense of a sun other than that it's daylight. But when we go inside and we begin to remove by releasing this cloud cover bit by bit, and we begin to have those clouds part, and rays of sunshine start piercing through those clouds, and blue sky starts growing through those clouds. Um, that is when sufficient release is done. Then we have further access to our soul and to what we were really born here to create and what, we, what our talents, abilities, interests, desires, they all come to light when they're out from under the cloud cover. Mm. You know... We are living now in a time where some people talk about the cycles of life. And, you know, I want to talk with you about the idea that we're redefining and creating a new narrative on life cycles. And what I mean by that is, you know, used to be you you grow up, you go to school, some, some people go to college, you get a job, you work for a whole bunch of years, you raise a family, you do a bunch of that. 
And then somehow you ride off into the sunset on your retirement uh, package if you have one. And slowly over the past two decades, we've been redefining that because some of those contracts don't exist anymore. But I also think we're in a new, we're time for an upgrade here to the life cycle, meaning we're starting to look at how to be awakened at any age. And you're certainly, I believe, an example of that. What would you say to, uh, to folks listening and reading the book? about the idea of awakening at any age, but more importantly, taking action once you awaken at any age. Well, bravo to that idea. I totally support <laughs> that idea. <laughs> and what, what I see is that all of those cycles that you were talking about are external cultural cycles. They're not coming from inside of us. They are imprinted upon us. And what I see is that when I am living and when I would certainly urge others to consider living from inside out rather than outside in, then you're not determined by the culture, whether it's about retirement or whether it's about age. So what, what I do with my days is that I live in the now. What what is it that, that I'm called to be or do now? What is it that I'm called to learn? And I listen to myself and I ask, you know, what is it mine to do? So that at age 78, when I was heard from my meditation, and I just heard it day after day, write, write, write. Mm-hmm. And I never saw myself as a writer. Mm-hmm. But finally, I kept hearing, right, right, right. So mm-hmm. I sat down one day, and I started to write. And for two years, I wrote, and I wrote, and I wrote. And Soul Selfish is this product. And I was so surprised at how happy I was doing that. But wow. I never would have known that had I listened to the culture. I listened to myself. And I asked everyone, listen to yourself. Mm. Let's talk about the title of the book, if we could, uh, Soul Selfish. And I want to talk about how that is now part of the new narrative. And what I mean by part of the new narrative, I mean that we are finding a new script being written. And I will say that, you know, maybe I hang out with more women than I do men, but I am so astonished by what women are coming forth and saying and what women are coming forth and doing, such as yourself. Isn't this part of how we're seeing soul selfish show up now in our pop culture? Even though you started this two years ago, the timing of the book being out and you being out talking about it, now overlay that with what we're seeing in the energy of our pop culture now. And again, there are no mistakes, are there? No. There are no mistakes. So what, what I say, when I say soul selfish, I need to contrast it to what is commonly known as selfish, which I would term ego selfish. Mm-hmm. And that is where a person wants something from or with another without regard for the other person's benefit, solely for their own gratification, for their own pleasure, or their own profit. So selfishness is seen as a bad word, even though it is a very common 
feeling that we have amongst groups of people. Well, soul selfish is very, very different. I, as I say, I believe that we're born with a seed plan and that the more that we're in contact with that spiritual DNA, the more that we can hear it, the more that we are open to listen to it, the more that we are unclogged so that we can hear it more, the more that we are guided and directed from within outside to do all of the things that, that you see women doing. So I'm not defined by age or I'm not defined by anything other than what is given to me from inside and how that feels to me and the power of that, the strength of that to follow through on it. You and know, I think it's happening, that it's happening so, so much more. Oh, yeah. With, yeah. with older women who didn't feel they had a place, that I see that so much more now. Yeah. And, you know, you have written some of the most incredible, interesting, and kind of funny stories, some of them, mm -hmm. in the book. You know, I'm a New Yorker. I grew up, I was born in the Bronx, lived in New York, then moved to Jersey. So, uh, you know, I was chuckling about the story that you told about the giant stadium seats, right? Yeah. And the pole, because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, the same thing happened to me. And I'm like, uh, oh, why is it one would sit there in seats, right? Uh, okay, so you folks listening, you're Seahawks fans. But the point is this. Sit in the seats with a big fat pole in front of you, right? And we do the. It's a metaphor for how often, right, we are willing to sit in quiet and not talk about things like that that are so right now in our faces. And I mean, that was just one story, right? But I love, I could literally see you, Jane. I could literally see you bobbing from left and right of the pole. I mean, when you're describing that, when you're describing that story, I am thinking, oh my gosh, how often have I bobbed from left to right of some kind of pole, something that's in front of me, how I've done it in silence. And I don't think I'm alone, but it was such a perfect metaphor to talk about what you're writing about here. We're quiet. We should behave. Well, I really appreciate that that story resonated with you because it is really outrageous for me, even today, to think back on sitting behind that pole for 10 years, never asking can, why don't we change seats game to game? Why don't we change seats halftime to halftime so that I can see the game as well as you, so that I can enjoy as much as you? And it is not only the woman, as I was, but it was also the man. Why didn't the man say, why don't we change seats so each of us can enjoy? And I say that part of it is cultural as well mm -hmm. as filial and that our culture is changing so much now Yeah, that we have the Me Too movement, which is so amazing, and also the, the, all of the exploitation that is now coming to light that we, that we knew was there but never really heard about before. Yeah, and, you know, this is really the time. This is really why I love uh, this book 
And I, I, I really love that even though you wrote this two years ago, it is so resonating with the energy, the time, and by the way, the call to action. Um, I want to make sure, Benny, we are going to give out, let's give out a copy of the book right now for those of you that are watching. Um, if you've just tuned in, I'm so thrilled to have Jane Weicker joining me here today. But more importantly, I want you all to know about this book. And when you read it, even though it is a memoir, the stories, you're going to be able to say, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me, even though it's Jane. Soul Selfish, the key to youth, uh, youthfulness at any age. And we have three copies of this great book to give away. This is more like a call to action for me, even, the, even though it is a memoir. 1-800-930-2819. 1-800-930-2819. And we're going to take a short break in a minute, though. But Jane, here's what I want to ask you about the book, and we'll talk about different parts of it. Even though you've written about this, and it is so crystal clear as I go through the book and I read the stories and I, and I, and I go on this journey with you, you know, from the very beginning, past Aunt Rose, you know, looking at, you know, the world, I am still struck by how silent we are, how silent we are as women. Even with the Me Too movement, we are still silent uh, in so many ways and in so many arenas. And I'm wondering, what is it going to take for us to step into this, this, this role, this soul, selfish role, so that we can truly find our, our voices? Would you like me to answer that now? Yeah, do that right now, okay. yeah. Well, one, one of the things that I see is that a community is a very, very major way that women can empower themselves and each other. And what I see is that being part of women's community uh, is a place that, that I gain strength and I gain connection. And I think that for women, connection is extremely important. And uh, in years gone by, when the patriarchy was even more powerful than it is today, uh, women were very isolated. We were all each in our own homes doing our own family, and we didn't really have the kind of connection, of action, of uh, the ability to listen to each other and support each other in our work, in our personal mm -hmm. lives, and also to play together. So I say that the more that women are connecting to each other in different group situations for different purposes, the stronger women will become and the more vocal and the more powerful. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when we come back, I want to talk about, you know, this idea of being willing to risk the good girl role, being willing to risk it all to let go of the good girl role. What does that look like? And what would be, for each of you listening, what role would you replace it with? What would be your personal signature role? And when we come back, we're going to give another copy of the book away. We're going to also let you know how to find out more about Jane. And we are taking your calls as well. If you don't want to come on air, Benny is going to be giving copies of the book away. You can give Benny your question. 1-800-930-2819, 1-800-930-2819. And 
what happens if we believe everything is energy? Do we understand the opportunity and or consequences of how we use it? Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Is traditional medicine not working for you? Do you still feel as if your health isn't 100%? Here at the Holistic Medical Center, Dr. Nushin Darvish and the qualified staff look through the dimensions of wellness and start a healing plan prioritized to your needs. Our physicians assess the whole you until complete health is achieved. Get the help you need by visiting drdarvish.com or call 425-451-0404. If you're one of the millions of Americans suffering from anxiety, you probably know how powerless and out of control this emotion can make you feel. This is why it is so important to remember that anxiety is created by your mind, which means that you can learn to use your mind to uncreate it. Hello, my name is Dr. Friedman Schaub. My award-winning book, The Fear and Anxiety Solution, provides you with a step-by-step breakthrough process to understand and resolve the root causes of your anxiety and build a solid foundation of confidence and inner peace. If you are ready to take your power back, visit thefearandanxietysolution.com. That's thefearandanxietysolution.com or call 866-903-6463. That's 866-903-MIND. Tune in to Lucid Planet Radio with Dr. Kelly Neff. This hit show will illuminate your senses and empower you beyond your daily stressors and hardships. Renowned psychologist and author Dr. Kelly will captivate you with far-reaching topics and amazing guests as you wake to the greatest version of yourself. Learn to tap into your intuitions, think critically about our world, heal emotional and psychological wounds, and follow your passions to live your dreams. The Lucid Planet. Welcome home. Visit lucidplanetradio.com for more information. How would you like increased health and vitality? How would you like to avoid the onset of disease as well as slow the aging process? This is all possible through a simple, safe, and natural process. Every day we are either moving toward wellness or away from wellness. Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. I'd like to be your partner in achieving optimal health. Contact me now at maryjanemack.com or call 425-392-0659. Visit maryjanemack.com. Conscious Confidence Radio, a timeless wisdom with Sarah Main. Tune in each month on Transformation Talk Radio and join Sarah on an adventurous journey to the deeper level of meaning to move beyond today's world of constant change, confusion, and uncertainty beyond the shadow of fear. This hit show explores key concepts such as confidence, values, and attitude in a dynamic way. To learn more about Sarah and her work, visit sarahmain.com. Oh, my God, Benny. I mean, what is that? That's my little jazz group. Uh, yeah, the Soulful Strut. Oh. That's an old, oldie yeah. but a goodie. Oldie but tur- So, you know what that puts me? Oh, my gosh. Did you just do that? Well, So, like, kinda. okay, so here I am. <laughs> I don't even know what year that's from, the original, right? And 
Okay, so I used to go to a place in Manhattan called the Blue Note Cafe. And honest to God, I just was listening to that and I could see myself standing outside of this really dark Blue Note sign, Blue Note Cafe. Okay, uh, there you go. I just, uh, thank you for sharing, right? Oh, sure. Uh, <laughs> so, Benny, thank you. We're going to give another copy of Jane's book away, 1-800-930-2819. And yeah, for those of you, Google Blue Note Cafe, 1-800-930-2819. And thank you, uh, Jane. Soul Selfish is a book. And for those of you out there, this is uh, like what happens when you awaken the good girl. Uh, but most importantly, Jane, how can people find out more about you? And uh, also, how can they get a copy of the book? Well, the, the book can be purchased through my website, which is janeweicker.com or directly mm -hmm. through Amazon. And uh, I'd love you to come to my website, which has many blogs on many subjects from soul selfish to parenting to relationships, all kinds of subjects. And um, it's there ready, waiting, and welcoming you. Okay, so I have another invitation for people. Okay, everybody, you ready? You can take the quiz. So the quiz, Benny, you can do it too. How soul selfish are you? That's the quiz. You go there, right on our website. Let me spell Jane's last name for those of you out there that you're instant messaging me already. It's Jane uh, Weicker, W-Y-K-E-R. And then when you go there, don't forget to click on the Facebook tab. Go over to Facebook like I'm just showing everybody and click like, and you'll be able to follow her, follow her messaging, and then also Twitter and all of the above, and you can get your copy of her book. Um, and so thank you for doing that. And Benny, yeah, let's go ahead and, uh, give another copy away. 1-800-930-2819. Listen, who out there would love to awaken, you know, the awakening of a good girl? Who out there would like to awaken the good girl in you? And what I mean by that is once you awaken the good girl, as we like to say, bust through the crust of that, your life is forever changed, forever changed. Um, Jane, thank you for doing this because what you've done is not just write a book with fabulous stories and incredible metaphors that I pull from here, but you're giving us sort of like this formula to say, look, it doesn't matter where you are. You can start to be more aware of this and you can start to make a change, right? Absolutely. Because yeah. the only time you have is now. What's past is past, but look ahead. And how do you want your future to be? How do you want your present to be? And, you know, how would it be if you lived in your house and you never cleaned it out or didn't clean it out regularly? How would it look? Mm. Mm. Uh, well, scary. We have an scary. Inner, scary. We have an That's inner, a scary thought. Yeah. But we have an inner home that needs to be cleaned because every day or every two days, or every four days, something happens that's unsettling for us, that we, that we wish didn't happen, or that made us angry, or that made us sad, or that made us frightened. And unless we really go inside, look into that, resolve that, let it go, clear it out, we are accumulating more anger, more sadness, and more fear, and all of that just creates layers and layers and layers of resistance 
to your creativity, to your life force. And so it's your job to keep your house clean, your inner house clean, and your outer house clean. Mm. Clean enough that it feels pleasurable to be in. Yeah, I love, first of all, I love the stories in the book. I love everything you've put in the stories in the book. And I was thinking, we just got past the royal wedding here, right? You know, yeah. we just we just saw uh, Meghan Markle. I love Meghan Markle. I love the whole suits thing. Too bad she's not going to be in it. But I was reading the story and I thought, what would have happened in on their wedding night if uh, Harry would have said, hey, Megan, we just finished the wedding. She's still in her wedding dress and said, hey, I want you to read. Let's go down and have a drink at this club with two of my uh, uh, military buddies, because that's one of your stories in the book. And and I love the way you describe when that happened to you. You you said something like you were shocked and you felt as if the blood had been drained from your body. So that is like an energy vampire. Let's talk about that for a minute, because that is something that is really quite common, even in our pop culture today, to do stuff like that. Well, for me, it was just devastating because uh, I grew up in a time and in a family where sexuality was very, very repressed. And uh, it was very difficult for me in my adolescence, who I grew up into this beautiful body. And my father just went crazy. I mean, he just couldn't handle it. And all he did was yell at me all the time. And so at that point, no, it wasn't good to have sex before marriage. And marriage was going to be the panacea. And finally, I got married. And the very first night of our wedding, my husband didn't want to have sex with me. And so it was such an overcoming to to come back into my own sexuality and to to release all of the pain of my father and my husband and uh, and just to know that that was like one of the biggest soul selfish gifts that I have ever given to myself because it brought me back to feeling beautiful and alive and vibrant mm-hmm. and sexy and passionate and without without taking care of those wounds we suffer. Yeah. We suffer and we become quiet and we become very passive because there's so much weighing us down. Mm. You know, I remember talking to um, uh, a friend of mine's mom and, you know, my version of, of life was this ongoing self-sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, her version was different in a way because she made sure that there was a very good exchange for things she was giving up. And I was fascinated to hear her and watch her in action with this. And, you know, I remember being so crazily, you know, at the action and 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 how husband and wife interacted from generations ago. But I was also very inspired by seeing how a woman of her generation going through World War II 
uh, getting married to the military uh, guy, uh, was still able to say, yeah, yeah, I'll make that soft-boiled uh, egg for you every day. And you know, by the way, you're going to knock out the wall and build me a proper dining room. And so I was really interested in that. And, and it took me years to understand her negotiating power. But I'm also struck by even today, the art of negotiating for women is almost a lost art in some respects. What do you think of that? The art of negotiation. Well, in order to negotiate, you have to know what you want and mm-hmm. you have to be willing to stand for what you want. And mm-hmm. I think where the problem is that women yeah. are not standing for themselves um, the way they need to in order to come to a negotiation, you know, as a, uh, a person to be respected, heard, and, and to find ways of compromise. So if, if a woman isn't speaking up for what is what she is wanting or what she is needing or what isn't working for her, then there is no negotiation. There is silence and passivity and a deepening unhappiness, mm-hmm. uh, which often winds up in separation or, or in the demise of that woman's spirit, because I've seen, I've seen it happen both ways. And, you know, I did counseling for 29 years, and part of that was exactly what you're talking about, supporting women to speak to their man. And so I would see a woman on her own, and then I would see the couple. And she would, she would work in her private sessions to be able to come to that negotiation as mm-hmm. a strong, clear, fair-minded, open-minded woman standing for herself and for the good of her relationship. Mm. I'm really struck by several things. And, you know, within the confines of an hour, I I was really struck by um, this, this idea of having an awakening and having a spiritual awakening. And I really was pleasantly surprised in the chapter you wrote where that you called my guides, Mm -hmm. uh, because I, I, I don't know why I didn't expect it in the book. And uh, and when I started to read it, I started to say, you know, isn't this the beauty of awakening? You know, isn't this the beauty of of being able to stand tall, have a voice, and yet at the same time, be quiet, be quiet and accelerate the level of empowerment of that? And And I wanted to ask you, what role did spirituality play for you uh, uh, in your journey? And the reason I love that question is because I believe in a street smart spirituality, which is like, okay, yeah, I get it. Now what am I going to do with it? How was your journey? What was your journey like to that place? Well, it was such a beautiful journey because I, I had no spiritual life as a child. My family mm. didn't have any sincere spiritual life. Um, and about two years into my inner process, I began to just wonder about spirituality. And one day I was reading the New York Times Sunday section and I saw a little ad and it said unity. And I like that word, unity. <laughs> so I went to New York and to a, to a lecture 
given by unity. And um, it was, it was mind blowing to me because mm. about, it was about the universe and it was about God, but it was about blessings and creation and joy. And um, so, so that became very, very important to me. And then I uh, took on a meditation teacher and she was brilliant and lovely. And she told me that just sit in quiet, just sit in quiet and, after a while, you'll hear you'll hear your noise of your mind, but slowly, slowly, it will ease. And it may take take some time, but have patience, and your mind will quiet, and and you will just be in quiet silence, and you will feel very peaceful. And that's the first step. And so I did that, and sure enough, that came true. And after a while, I began to hear a different voice, and I don't know to this day whether this voice is a different part of me or my guides somewhere above me. I believe it is my guides, but I don't mm-hmm. know. We can never know. But every day I go and I sit and I write, you know, what I'm feeling for that day, for that moment. And I ask, either I ask a question relevant to my life or I just ask, um, what would you like me to know today? And I will just take my pen and just write what I hear. And it is the wisest, kindest, sweetest, most brilliant guidance every day. Yeah. And my spiritual life has been hugely important. Yeah. Hugely important. It guides yeah. my day. Yeah. I I totally I I totally get it. And you know, for me, you and I have similar uh life paths, so to speak, in so many ways. Um, but I was really struck by how you wrote the book because what, as you're writing this book and I'm reading it, I literally found myself in the scene. It's almost like this is a um, screenplay, so to speak. Um, and I especially found myself plugging in to that moment when you had to, uh, you were talking about divorce. And I, I just totally plugged right into that because so often we do get to that place where we see that the life with that we're living is really not the life that we want to live. That's right. And in my case, it was really such a stark contrast because my outer life was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. We, we went to Europe two different summers living, once in Italy and once in Spain. We lived in a beautiful home. Life, the external life was magnificent. And the internal life was impoverished. And it was so difficult to reconcile that. But the more that I went inside, the more important the inner life became. And so I, I found the courage to just say, okay, I need to have a life that is good on all levels, and this can never be. I trust at this point I've done everything I know how to do to work with this, to work it out. This can never be. And so I I decided to divorce, and under huge financial sacrifice, uh, Mm -hmm. so much that I went into debt. Mm. But in any case, that was the very seed that created the woman that I am today. 
or I never would have found myself creating parenting school before parenting was a word. I never would have become a family counselor. I never would have written a book. So that was the impetus, not only to free myself from what wasn't working, but to find what could work within myself. Mm -hmm. And then the doors also opened, though, for you to now carve out and create the life you truly wanted. And I think when we think about the book, for those of you just tuning in, we think about what you've written, Soul Selfish. We're thinking about how you're showing us the various gateways that open up doors to our soul's freedom. And I think that's so beautiful in this. And not only in the way you've written about it, but how vulnerable you write about it. You see what I mean? Yeah. That's so key. Well, our vulnerability becomes our strength when we honor it. Uh, mm-hmm. When we hide from it, there remain vulnerabilities. Yeah. Um, first of all, I want to thank you for today. And I, I, I want to make sure everybody knows how to find out more about your, your, you and also how they can get a copy of your book. Let's just take a moment to do that if we could. Okay. My name is Jane Weicker. My website is janeweicker.com. The name of my book is Soul Selfish, The Awakening of a Good Girl. It can be found Uh, on Amazon or bought through my website. I would love you to go to my website, which has many blogs that I think will support you in becoming soul selfish. And it's really been my pleasure to be with you, Dr. Pat, on this Mm. show. Well, thank you so much. Um, I wanted to save these last minutes to talk about your voice in the world today, because Clearly, I would have to be on air with you a good five hours to go through the many stories that you share. But here you are today. You've written about this journey and you've learned uh, that people really do need to have an awakening. Tell me about your vision. Tell me about, you know, where and what you hope this book will do to create a better world for people. Well, I believe that this work, this book is geared more for women than it is for men, although I have mm-hmm. surprisingly received many lovely uh, feedback comments from men and mm-hmm. how helping them to live more happily with their women. So that is a very wonderful surprise. Mm-hmm. Yet I believe that the change that's going to happen and is already happening in the world is about women. And uh, I believe that women have the uh, internal connectedness that, that can make this happen uh, by creating relationships and creating a, an environment in which people can be more loving, can be more accepting, can be more inclusive. And that's why I'm saying that I believe that women's groups are so important. Because if you're isolated in your job or isolated in your family, you need women who understand, who support, who can inject energy of their own to you as you to them. So my vision is to reach as many people as I can with this idea that inside of us is gold. It's our soul. And that we're each born with talents, abilities, Uh, to create, 
to be joyous, to be happy, to be loving, to be giving and generous. And uh, the more of that that I can affect, the happier person I will be. I want to ask you for yourself. I mean, for those of you out there, and there is still time to get a copy of Jane's book, 1-800-930-2819. I'm really struck by your adventurous nature. What would you say to the women listening today about what their first step might be to get closer to the ledge of adventure? That adventure requires some confidence and trust in freedom. And in order to be free in the world, we need to be free in ourselves. And to the degree that you can look inside yourself and begin on a regular basis, just to ask yourself the things that you're not feeling good about so that you can begin to heal those, you will gain more energy. And it is your energy freeing up that is going to extend into the world and make the world a greater place. Mm. Uh, Jane, last question. Um, What's next for you? What's on the horizon for you? Well, right now it is doing just what I'm doing with you, which is the (laughs) pleasure of, of meeting new people and having the opportunities to express my ideas and, and hopefully resonate with people that will begin to take on these ideas and create more for themselves and more of us will be out here doing this. So right now that's what it is. I also I, have thoughts about a, another book, but yeah. I'm really not sure that I'm ready for that because this is still a babe in the woods that I want to nurture. Yeah, and there's so much in this book. There's absolutely so much in this book. Every story was so clearly written and heartfelt uh, energy in it. And I, I, I the, from the moment I read that you grew up in Rhyme, I was automatically Rye. I wonder if that's Rye Beach and Pool. And yes. I, I, yeah, exactly <laughs> right. It's like Rye Beach and Pool. How often did we get to go there? Um, and that's just a testament to the fact that your heart and your love went in to write this book. So thank you so much for joining me here today, Jane. Really appreciate it. And I appreciate it so much, Dr. Pat. Thank you. All right, everybody. Uh, this The show will replay if you've missed any part of it. The book is fabulous. Uh, please go to Jane's website and get your copy of it or go to Amazon. Um, and make sure for those of you out there that you're thinking about that action that you're going to take next to awaken the good girl in you. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back.
preceding audio was via a Skype call.